Let's stand together as we read God's word together. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes to them. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserved. This is the word of the Lord from Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew's my oldest son, so it's good to have him along with us this morning. He's getting hard to keep up with. So those 16-year-olds, they get a driver's license and all the things he's involved in. So he, I'm proud of him, though. He's doing well. He's on his baseball team. Uh, he's got a job. Uh, most importantly, man, he loves Jesus. And he, he's one of our leaders in our worship, student worship team. So he puts together uh, the songs that they're going to sing each Wednesday night. He puts all the people in play that are going to help out on Wednesday night. So I'm th- so thankful to just watch him kind of do the things I used to do when I was younger. So he feels a call on his life to ministry as well. So I'm thankful to be able to help him in that calling. Uh, thank you, Cade, for leading us this morning. Uh, it's good to have you with us. Cade Goforth is here uh, be with us this fall. So thankful for him and Sean McKinney helping us in this time of interim as well. Uh, so... And yeah, you, you were looking at me, I was looking at you, and I was just thinking, yeah, I, I know there's usually people that come and help, and I think we pray. You know, it's these things we do all the time. It's like when we get to the blessing, I will need your help. Even though I've done that blessing a million times, it seems like, I will fumble up those words. So, but Kate, thank you so much. Choir, orchestra, such a beautiful morning of worship. Uh, that just prepares my heart to come into this place and just share in God's word with you. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Pastor Eric is spending some time with his wife this weekend, just relaxing, and just uh, I enjoy the privilege of getting to share in God's word with you today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah for a little bit, and so we're going to spend some time there. So I have the privilege of coming out of a sermon series, and I have the whole Bible to decide where we're going to be this morning. So that's always a tough chore for me to say, all right, well, the Lord's word is open to me. Sometimes I prefer preaching in a sermon series because then I just get a little passage and that's what I get to choose from. So, uh, but it is an honor and a pleasure to be before you this morning reading in in Jeremiah with you today. Uh, Actually, a couple weeks ago, I had uh, in one of my devotions, I came through this passage in Jeremiah 17 and thought, you know, I've never really preached from this passage or spent some time in this passage And so I want to spend some time here. We'll look at Jeremiah 16 as well. Um, But the problem with uh, Jeremiah is, or not necessarily a problem with Jeremiah, but with the people in Jeremiah, is as you know, this is the southern kingdom that God sends Jeremiah to in Judah, where Jerusalem is as well. And the message is not good. It's not good news. It's bad news. He talks about them losing independence, Jerusalem being destroyed, exiled. That's bad news. And so this morning... Uh, I know you are probably like me. You like getting good news. Uh, as you saw my son up here, uh, I've got four other children. We have five kids all together. And it was always fun to be able to call our families and our friends and say, we're having a baby. That's great news to deliver. I don't think that I got anyone a bad response out of that. You know, maybe by the fifth one, some of them are like, are you okay? <laughs> five children, another 
yeah, we got all the jokes about children and those kinds of things. So, but it was always good news to share. And then, you know, that's when social media is a lot of fun because when the babies arrived, you get to take pictures, you get to share that news on the internet with your friends and family. People are coming to see you. So again, that's good news to deliver. It's so fun to deliver that news on welcoming a child. And so that's fun. Uh, and we like getting good news. Uh, but bad news is, no, I don't think there's anyone that enjoys bad news. It's always tough when you get a phone call and someone says, are you sitting? Usually if that is said on a phone call that's like <gasps> immediately your heart kind of sinks doesn't it because you know you're about to hear something you don't want to hear i think that's what's going on here in jeremiah jeremiah's words are, are bad news to the people uh, obviously the people just weren't even caring or concerned about god and his ways and what i reminded people of in our service this morning was just that this what we're about to read isn't god's fault god didn't do anything wrong God actually set them up to walk with him appropriately. And unfortunately, as we get into this passage, what we're seeing is that God still cared for them. God still loved them. God still saw them and who they were and what they were about. And so the problem wasn't God, but the problem was people. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about bad news. But as my preaching professor in seminary said, if you're going to spend some time in the Old Testament, you better quickly get to Jesus where the good news is. So don't worry. This morning, we are going to talk a little bit about the bad news. But I promise you this, the most important thing we will do today is talk about Jesus and talk about the good news of what he has done for us so that we can repent and walk with him in a right relationship. So if you want, we can look in uh, Jeremiah. Actually, we're going to back up to 16. Andrew read kind of the middle passage that we're going to spend some time in. But we'll look at Jeremiah 16 together. And we'll just get some things out of this. The eyes of the Lord that they are always watching and seeing and knowing. And so as we read here, we're going to start in verse 16 in chapter, or in uh, Jeremiah 16. And it says this, But now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord. They will catch them. And after that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices in the rocks. And here comes that bad news. And, and it's double here. He's saying, fishermen, they're coming to get you. Hunters, they're coming to get you. Judah, listen up. They're coming to get you. You're in trouble. And he goes on to say that, my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin because they have defiled my land with the lifeless forms of their vile images and have, and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols. And you see it all there. And just as I'd mentioned earlier, God had done nothing wrong, but we see what uh, Judah has done in this place. Their wickedness was before the Lord. Think about that. The inheritance, the land that God had given to them. They were now living in this place and defiling that land, doing those things that were not honoring God in his ways. And God sent Jeremiah to say to them, I see it all. And so this morning, it's a reminder for all of us that even then, the eyes of God were on all the ways. Even for us today, the eyes of the Lord are on all our ways. And nothing is hidden. That verse 17 says that. Nothing is hidden from him. It says sin is not concealed. And as I was preparing this message and thinking about these things, I was thinking it, it's easy for you and me. We can hide things from one another. And, and sometimes we can even get good at maybe hiding things. But sometimes we need that reminder of there is nothing that we can hide from God. Nothing, it says in Jeremiah, is hidden from him. Sin is not concealed and so i think about that though 
It's natural, though, as maybe we've done something wrong or maybe something's happened and and we feel shame and and we feel afraid and and that's something that happens and we see that in Genesis. We see that with Adam. When when Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and everything was beautiful and everything was right and everything felt good. And yet look at how Adam feels after he's taken the fruit and after they've eaten. It says here in verse eight, then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And it says, He answered, and and catch this, "I, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? It's interesting there to think about those words, that God would ask that question. Have I not commanded you? God knew. He knew what had taken place. He knew that he was needing to go and address the sin and the problem that had taken place here. And Adam said words that I probably had never said before. He said, I was afraid. I had fear. I knew what? I needed to run away. That's all I knew to do. And friends, you and I, can I just tell you something? That's what we're seeing the world outside of us do. The lost world that is apart from God, apart from Christ, They are running from him. And friends, when we talk about good news here in a moment, that's the beauty of the gospel. We have been found. We have dealt with God and found that through Jesus and repentance and turning to him, we can walk with him in a right relationship. And then the beauty of the gospel is now we go and share because there are still people who need to hear the gospel and need to hear the good news. And so Adam was scared. He was afraid before his God. And it reminded me of, of David as well. As we think of David, uh, he, he knew that as well. Uh, whenever I'm at camps, I was at a lot of camps this summer. Uh, as the family team minister, I get to go to children's camp now as well as youth camp. So I appreciate your prayers during the summer because it is just, you know, spending a lot of times at camps. I'm starting to get a little older and I'm starting to recognize that bunk beds at camp just aren't the best for your back. And so I'm hoping at some point I'll get to retire from my camp days, although I've still got five kids. Nathan is um, four, about to turn five. Uh, you know, there's some people my age that are just turning into empty nesters, and I'm thinking, I've got like, I've got 14 years before my empty nesting days. So pray for me. Pray for my wife. We're uh, wanting to do well and, and stay strong with these kids that we have, and I'll probably be going to camp into my 50s, so you can pray for that as well. Uh, but one of the things uh, we encourage our children and our students to do during their time at camp is we have times of, of, uh, where they have their own quiet times. And so usually we'll get into different groups and I'll lead a group and and I will encourage them. We'll open the Bible together and I will open to Psalm 139. And I'd love to have our children and our students start with that Psalm. Because God in that Psalm reveals, or at least David reveals to us, just how much God is acquainted with all of our ways. And he sees it all and he knows it all. And then even Jeremiah later writes exactly what we have seen here. And I believe because of what David has shared here, he, if you go back and read through that, and I encourage you, if you haven't read through that psalm in a while, go read it and spend some time with the Lord. And remember, there's nowhere that you can go. There's no place that you can escape. Uh, even if you were to go to heavens or into Sheol or into the you know, depths of the ocean, David says, I know that there is no place that I can go where I could escape from your presence. And I think that brings David to close the psalm in such a way because that information is overwhelming. To remember and to think that God sees and knows our ways and knows us so intimately and sees us. We just read that from Jeremiah 16. He knows 
and nothing is hidden or concealed. Our sins are not, conced- or are not concealed. And so when he asked those questions, and so if I'm being honest, just as I've mentioned, there's a lot going on around me and a lot of things that demand my attention. And so I don't have time to stop and think about the things I'm afraid of. And if I'm being honest, I don't feel like I'm afraid of much. I don't feel like I'm anxious about much. I'm just constantly moving, moving, going, going, laundry, laundry, laundry. Yeah, laundry, lots of laundry. I think we do 12 to 15 loads of laundry a week. I know that because I'm the laundry guy at our house, okay? That's one of the simple joys I can serve my family, taking care of our laundry needs. And it's a lot. It's overwhelming at times. But this past week, though, in one of my devotions, the kids were in bed, the house was quiet, and I spent some time before the Lord. And I asked that tough question, God, am I anxious about anything? And it's amazing in the quiet of a moment before the Lord when you still your soul and say, Jesus, where am I fearful? Where am I anxious? And it's amazing the things that begin to kind of flood my soul. And it's like, wow, there's actually a lot of things that I'm really anxious about. Maybe even things that I'm fearful about. And one of my devotions, it said this, and this was a couple of weeks ago when I read these words. It said, what we fear the most is where we trust God the least. And that's kind of what spurred this on in that moment. I said, God, I asked a tough question. God, are there places I'm fearful? Are there places where I'm, I'm not trusting you like I need to? And if I'm being honest, there, there's things just, like I said, I, I start worrying about, man, am I the husband that I need to be to my wife? Am I being a good enough father to my five kids? Am I being the pastor that I need to be to the church that I'm serving in? Am I being a, an outstanding citizen inside the community? And I just start thinking all these things that just start coming, and it's like, yes, I'm anxious about some of these things. And the reality hit me once again. I can't be the husband I need to be apart from God. I can't be the father that I need to be apart from God. I can't be the minister here with you all that I need to be apart from walking with Jesus in the right way, close to him, near to him. I can't be the the man of God I need to be apart from him. And so as I begin to just say, Lord, there are things I'm anxious about. There are things I'm fearful about. Help me to trust you. I was joking with someone today as well. I said, you know, nothing causes you to trust the Lord more than being a homeowner. A homeowner, you know, you got to really trust the Lord with your home at times. And that happened to me Friday. Friday morning, I woke up. Uh, we, had, we had a leaky kitchen sink. And so the last couple of weeks, I was like, all right, I know when I get a moment, I need to fix the sink. I know it's just there's a little stem I can pull out and replace. We'll be good to go. So I get down under the sink, turn off the valve, and it's still dripping. Turn off both valves. Everything's dripping. I'm thinking, well, great. My valves, my stop valves down there are not working. I worked with a plumber for three months, Robert Jared. Many of you know him. God bless his soul. He tried to help me be a plumber. That that didn't turn out too well, so I continued in my call to ministry. So, yeah. I loved working with Robert. I always tell people, I was like, I learned more in that three months working with him than, you know, a lot of life lessons. Wonderful man to work alongside of. But anyway, so I got things... well, I was hoping to get things turned off, so my next thought was, well, I'm going to have to find my, my cutoff uh, either in my utility closet or I'm going to have to go to the street, turn off the water to the house. i got to get this fixed. So I went into my main HVAC utility closet that's out in the garage, opened that up, and there's insulation everywhere. 
I'm like, oh, that's probably not good. So I look up, and sure enough, my ceiling is caved in. I'm thinking, oh, good. Okay, so I was like, well, let me get up in the attic, see what I can see. And I get up in the attic, and above where that hole is, I can see one of my vents that's going up through the roof. I can see a lot of daylight. And I'm thinking, well, when it rains, that's probably not good. So I went from needing to replace a little part in my sink to now recognizing I've got some roof repair and drywall ceiling repair. I stood in my garage for a moment, and I guess my wife could see it because she was like, you should have seen your look just kind of standing there. Because <laughs> I was. I was like, I, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I, where do I begin? So I look at the forecast. It's not due to rain. Yeah, that's funny, right? It's not supposed to rain for another week. So if it starts raining today or tomorrow, just pray for me. Just that'll be your reminder to spend some time praying for Zach because he needs. But... So, but thankful, there, there's wonderful church people that I know that I can start calling on, and, and, I, and a good friend of mine, Justin, I sent him some pictures, and so we got, I was able to get the water shut off, and got the, the little stem replaced and taken care of, and so that's good enough for now, <laughs> we'll just call it that, and my father-in-law is going to come and help me with a few things, and so, but the reality is, is, you know, here I go once again, I feel the anxious and the fearfulness God, how much is this going to cost me? What's, how, when's this going to even get repaired? Am I going to have to start getting insurance? I mean, you just feel it, right? When, when bad things start happening or, or tough times uh, come your way, immediately you just start to feel that. But thankfully, I had begun to work on this message a couple of weeks ago. And so instead of just giving in and going down that rabbit hole of fear and anxiety, I just stopped and I said, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you care about me and you too care about my house that I live in. And so God, right now, at this moment, there's not a lot I can do except to just say, God, I trust you. You're going to help me get things fixed the way they need to get fixed. You're going to lead me to people that can help me in my situation. And it's going to be okay. I found out a long time ago, the most important thing I can do and how easily I forget is to trust him. And don't allow myself to go into the flesh and go into the worry and go into the anxiety and then begin to operate out of fear. Friends, I know our church is also going through a lot right now. We are changing positions. We've got things taking place around us and it it can cause us to get a little anxious and fearful. So I just want us all to remember for a moment, let's trust the Lord. Let's trust him with all the things going on around us. He's taking good care of this body. Long before I was here, he'll be taking care of it long after I'm gone. But think about those things. Where do I fear? Where am I anxious? And so I'd encourage you this week at some point to get honest before the Lord and say, God, are there things I'm anxious about and I don't even feel it? And allow him to just search over you and also just love and take care of you. That's the sweetest part of those moments is is recognizing how much he truly does care. And, And the problem, as we just mentioned, was the fact that Judah's hearts were far from God and God didn't like that sure he didn't like what they were doing their attitudes and their actions how deplorable they were inside of that land but can I tell you the thing that probably hurt God the most is that they just were far from him he wants to be near he wants to love them as we just read in that 139 psalm God is so acquainted with all our ways he wants to be near you he loves you he cares for you he knows you so well and wants to walk with you in that way and he's calling to all of us even now to, to walk with him to get out of any fear or anxious places and trust him and walk with him and friends I had to do that as I prepared this message over the last couple of weeks they're just areas saying oh you know what yes I trust you 
And so as we get into uh, chapter 17, so we're remembering that nothing is hidden, nothing is concealed. And so now we continue down this hole here in, in Jeremiah 17. It says in verse 5, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Church, that's who I want to be, the one that puts his confidence and his trust in the Lord. I don't like what verses 5 and 6 have to say about the person that doesn't walk with the Lord. I want to be someone that walks with him. Because look, it, it continues on about the person that walks with the Lord. This also reminds me a lot of Psalm 1. This person that walks with the Lord, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. But the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve so think about those things i want to be the person that's planted i want to be the person that is secure in, in times of drought or times of heat i think we in oklahoma know what times of heat have been like and so i am desperately ready for fall as i continue to look at the week ahead of me i'm thinking all right lord i got another week i'm thankful my hvac system is working great that was last year's problem. We got that replaced. So some of you know what that's like. The Oklahoma, I always joke, I say, if your uh, HVAC system is hanging on by a thread, the Oklahoma summer will just go ahead and push it on over. It'll take it on out. Because that's what happens. But I'm so thankful for God and how he takes care of us. But, but catch what he says there, because the heart is deceitful. I remember being an Awana leader at my church in Texas. And we would take the kids through a thing called Start Zone. And this verse was always there. This was always one of the first verses we would take our kids in start zone to. As we shared the gospel with them, we would talk about our hearts that are deceitful. Look at what he says there. Who can understand? I, the Lord, search the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful and above all things and beyond cure. It's wicked. And I think about that. You and I cannot help our wicked hearts. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, to help ourselves. We are in a tough situation, a tough spot. And so God is even recognizing and saying, look, I see the heart. And so the next point I'm making, not only is sin hidden and concealed, and not only are the eyes of the Lord on all our ways, but the eyes of the Lord see beyond the physical. There's so much more that our God sees than just what you and I are doing here on this earth. Because the reality is, God sees our heart. He knows our mind, is what the Bible tells us. And there, those two points, God examines the heart. We saw that in verse 10, but also I think of 1 Samuel 16, 7. When Samuel's looking for David, looking to anoint the new king, looking and, and, and talking with Jesse, looking for that next person, and, and son after son, and, and Samuel's like, no, that's not it. There's someone else. There's someone else. And he gets to David, the least, the youngest. And when he calls David, he reminds them, look, God looks at the heart. God's not concerned about the physical. God's not concerned about the outside. Why just think about that. Why is God so concerned with the heart? When I was a student pastor, I used to tell my students all the time, look, if God can get a hold of your heart, he's going to get all the other things that he needs out of you. 
If he has your heart, he's going to get your worship. If he has your heart, you're going to be here with us. If he has your heart, you're going to join probably one of our groups. If he has your heart, you're probably already serving somewhere. If he has your heart, you're a good citizen. You're taking care of people. If he has your heart, then he gets the things that he needs on the outside. That was the problem in Judah. Their hearts were not close to him. Their hearts were far from him. And therefore, the things coming out of them were horrible and detestable. And God was saying, I see those things. But he also knows our motives, too. So even if I do look good on the outside, I think of Paul and what Paul says. Look, if I uh, do all these wonderful things and I have not love, I'm just a clanging symbol. And so a reminder for us as well to think about that. So as we move beyond, we think about how... Um, our, our ways are not hidden, our sin is not concealed, and now we recognize that God sees our heart, we, we recognize that God sees those things and our motives and our actions and what's taking place on the inside. So as I mentioned earlier, that's the bad news. That's the bad place that we have to start. But we all have to recognize that. And I was eight years old when I came to that first realization that I needed the Lord, that I need to walk with him in a right relationship. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came. John 1 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the eyes of the Lord took on flesh. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Because then we can get into the gospels and start reading and seeing how Jesus saw and how he answered and interacted. And now the eyes of the Lord became active and dwelt among us. That is amazing to me to think about this morning. And so Jesus interacts in all these different places. I come to uh, Matthew chapter 15. If you want to turn with me into Matthew chapter 15, we can take a look at, at one of the ways that Jesus interacted. Once again, the religious leaders, they were up to their old ways of, of trying to add on to the commandments of the Lord, and this is one of those places we see that as well. Uh, they were concerned that the disciples were not washing their hands before meals. Now, let me be honest. I've heard the saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. I encourage you, yes, wash your hands before meals. Now, I will not stand here this morning and tell you that it is a sin to not wash your hands, although some of you might want to argue with me about that. I can understand that. But, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were wanting to try to come down and say, look, they're not doing this. They're sinful. They're bad now. And so as they had done, they just continued to add. And, and so Jesus saw that. And so he addresses what he sees in this situation. And as a worship leader, I use this passage often. Because Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And that's one of those passages I would use to say, just as I mentioned earlier, God sees our hearts, our motives. He knows where we are. And my goal, even in times of worship, before I would stand up, sometimes I would say, let's take a moment just to pray. Let's take a moment to be quiet before the Lord. If you've been with me during our 830 service when I've led, I've said those things before. Because this is more important to me than you singing along with me this morning. The most important thing this morning is I want to make sure that your heart is near to God. And before you even offer a praise in worship, I would love for you just to spend some time in prayer, spend some time with him to say, God, make sure my heart is ready this morning to worship you. If there's anything I'm anxious about, if there's anything I'm concerned about, if there's anything that's not honoring of you today, I don't want to just pay you lip service. I want to, out of a heart that loves you and walks with you and is near you, offer you my praise and my worship and my adoration today. And so sometimes I would encourage our congregation, take a moment before the Lord to just to prepare your hearts for worship. And Jesus said these words. He saw the motives. He saw, look, you think you look okay, but the reality is your heart is far from me. 
And so this morning, I think about those words from Jesus because we can see the negative inside those verses because the negative is saying that, you know, your hearts are far from me and, and honoring with lips. But think about the positive there. There is positive in that, that Jesus wants our hearts. Jesus wants to be near us and walk with us. Once again, Jesus saying, look, I don't want your good deeds and your good actions. I want your heart. I care about your heart. So this morning, those are questions I begin to ask of our church family. Is your heart close to him? Are you walking near him? Have you taken that first step to walk in the right relationship with him? And one of those things I think about is, have you ever been baptized? If you've never been baptized, there's a good chance maybe you've never taken that first step of obedience just to walk with Christ and then follow that up with baptism. I would encourage you this morning, take that step, come talk with us. We'd love to talk with you about following after Christ, what that means, what that looks like, and and set up your time to be baptized so that you can share and show people that you belong to the Lord. And I also know in this room, I've, I've had this happen before. Some of you have made that decision to walk with Christ, but you haven't been baptized. It may have been years ago. But can t- today, can I tell you, I know you start feeling maybe a little shame or guilt or embarrassed that, oh man, I, I was saved a long time ago. I just never got baptized. This church will celebrate with you to, to get that in order, to come and say, you know what? I need to get baptized. I know that seems silly. You've probably known me here for a long time, but I need to make that right. And we will rejoice and be thankful that God's called you and reminded you uh, to come and be baptized. If you're in here and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, this is also just a good reminder. Where is your heart? Is it close to the Father? And don't you love the Lord? Like I said, in that quiet moment, he wasn't mean and angry, and I didn't feel like, oh. It was just a sweet spirit moment of, hey, why are you anxious about that? Why are you fearing those things? Do you trust me, Zach? Are you going to walk with me, Zach? I had to kind of take that deep breath and just say, I trust you. I may not know all the answers. I may not know how it's all going to go down. But God, I trust you with all of those things. And so like I said, the kind of third point of that message again is that the eyes of the Lord have drawn near through Jesus. And I'm just so thankful we have him to draw near to us and to walk with us and to know that we are never alone. Anything we face, see, or do, God is with us. And he will help us, and we can trust him through those situations. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And so as I think about that, the eyes of the Lord have drawn near through Jesus, and Jesus responds to what he sees. And it's fun to go back and just read the Gospels and see how God, uh, through Jesus, interacts and takes care of people and walks with people, calls things out, uh, calls people to repentance, turning from their evil ways, turning from the things that they've done wrong, to walk with him in a right relationship. And so this morning, that's a question for all of us, myself included, as I've taken my moments to say, God, how do I need to trust you more? Where am I trusting you less? And so then Jesus' response in this situation to what he sees, he says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, that does not defile them. 
those, those actions, those things. That's not what it's about. The reality is you can be the best person in the world, but if your heart is not close to me, if I don't capture and know you, and if, I don't, if you don't belong to me, that's the problem, the heart issue. Just as we read in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. It's wicked. It's beyond cure. It needs help. Thank you that we have help. The good news that Jesus has come, that if you will repent, turn from your life and walk with him, he will accept you, forgive you, and walk with you. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And we all need it each and every day to be reminded that he's calling us to walk with him, being his disciple, following after him daily, taking up our cross and walking with him. He's called us to do that. He's called us to walk with him in that right relationship. If you've never done that, I'd encourage you today, let that be the day that you come and take your first steps of faith. And we want to celebrate that with you. But Jesus wants our hearts. And the reality of why he wants our hearts is because there's mission. There's more beyond what we see in this room. There's a lost world outside of us. And friends, they are acting like a world that's running from God. They're not living godly lives, godly ways. They're not concerned with the Bible. They're not concerned. And one of the things that concerns me now is almost like a self-righteousness, like this over-concern for, you know, wanting to make things right or make sure someone's heard or make sure the planet's taken care of. And I'm saying those aren't things we need to be concerned about, but we kind of, as we run from God, we kind of try to become our own gods and try to become up, come up with our own righteousness and our own ways to live and our own ways to think. And, and the reality is those are still things that are, apart from God they're not godly things and and just like I mentioned earlier people are still just on the run from God they need him they need to walk with him how will they know I love Paul says that in Romans how will they know you and me now that we have the hope of the gospel the hope of Christ we need to carry that hope with us wherever we go and and to share what we know and so as we I want to encourage you all as well now we're going to close with just kind of a passage in Colossians so I've covered it all I know I don't get to preach often and people always joke with me. They're like, yep, you seem like you got to get all the messages out in one, one shot. So here we go. I've covered Old Testament. I've covered Jesus. Now I'm about to cover Paul. So you guys are doing great. This is awesome. But as we are unified, as we are walking together, as we have hearts that love the Lord, then Paul calls us out. He calls us out and tells us in Colossians what we need to be about. So think about this. These are also words like Peter. And so in Colossians 3, if you want to turn there, starting in verse 12, we read this last week as well, which I thought was great, coming back to it. This is another passage that's been with me the last few weeks. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's us, his people. This is tough. This is where I need God's help. I need to clothe myself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm not reading Galatians here. I'm actually reading Colossians. So Paul had to speak that a few times over us, didn't he? In verse 13, he goes on to say, bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. So think about those things, church. Now that's what we have to become about. We have to care about those things. And, and, and the Bible says to clothe ourselves with kindness. My flesh is not bent on become, going to kindness and compassion but when I feel Jesus rising up in a situation, those are usually the things I go to. It's usually the compassion, the kindness, the humility. 
and then bear with each other as a church isn't it funny I I can't tell you how many times you can go into the New Testament and start finding how Peter and Paul both talked about the unity of the body the unity of the church of course we're going to get frustrated and annoyed or with each other but but Paul tells us we've got to just continue to bear with each other love each other forgive one another and continue to walk together why because the mission is too great the mission is too critical the mission is the lost world around us needing to know the hope of the gospel so God is calling us to be these kinds of people to take care of one another and and forgive each other and he says over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful and so Paul again is calling us as a body of believers here at South Tulsa Baptist Church to put on love and let the peace of Christ rule And friends, as I sit in the quiet of the moment, I have to think of those things too. Say, God, are there things I'm not clothing myself with properly? Please help me. I need you. I need you to help me to walk appropriately with you. And then it goes on. Oh, I think about these things. They're so wonderful and and beautiful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message dwell among you. You know what that reminds me of? As I mentioned, I've got a lot of kids. Uh, Some of them are in sports. Actually, most of them are in sports. So once again, we started up soccer with my middle child, Philip. And as I'm sitting in the the parents during practice, we kind of come with all our little lawn chairs and sit and wait. And I've got a friend of mine that we're sitting there with. And then there's a couple other people that are new to me that I don't know as well. And so I begin to think, here I am getting introduced to new people. And and this kind of thing starts thinking or starts rising up in me that the message of Christ would dwell among me richly. Because as I begin to, to be a part of new people that I don't know, immediately my mind starts going to that place. Do they know you, Jesus? And man, don't let me waste this moment, this opportunity over the next few months that I have to sit alongside of them and pray for them and help them and praying and asking that God would give me an opportunity to to share with them the hope that dwells within me of Christ. And each and every one of us, we come into contact with people each and every day and even through some of our trials and circumstances, just like whoever's gonna come work on my house and help me, I don't know where they're walking. But praise God, I have an opportunity to talk with someone that gets to come to my house. They're a captive audience to hear about the hope of the gospel. (laughs) They're going to fix my problem and get paid, but hey, you know what? I'm going to make sure they get the most important payday. Knowing Jesus loves them and wants to walk with them. So remember that when we face the different trials that we come across, that those are opportunities that Jesus may want to choose to come close to someone. Praise God, he wants to use you and me. He wants to use us out in the world around us. I'm so thankful for that. So may the message of Christ dwell richly among you. Then he closes here in Colossians with this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, and giving thanks to God the Father through him. My youth pastor, Kevin Lawfer, often used this verse in our times of Wednesday night Bible study. And he would just look at us. There were many times I can remember him saying, whatever you guys do, do it for the lord do it for jesus he used the analogy of pumping gas for for jesus and i thought i don't know that might get lost on some people 
Maybe not in here. Maybe some of you remember self-service days and, or when someone would come and pump the gas for you. But that was a thing. That still is a thing in some parts. When I was in Guatemala, we didn't get out of the car. They just come and pump the gas for us. That was wonderful. But Kevin said, whatever you do, even if it's pumping gas, pump gas for Jesus. And as I look in this room and I see many of you, I don't know where God's going to take you this week, who you're going to interact with, what appointments you have. But my prayer and my hope is that you will remember that you will live your life in such a way that the hope of Christ is richly dwelling within you. I want to close this morning with a song. I'm not going to sing the song. I just want to share some verses with you from a song as we get ready for our time of invitation. Uh, there's a band I like called Switchfoot. I knew of that band long ago. Uh, the, the guy, John Foreman, that is the lead singer for that band, is my age, and so that probably is why I like this band. He's got a, he's got a song called Hope is the Anthem. And so it's a good reminder. Whenever I've been in other countries and around other cultures, uh, there's been times where I've had to, you know, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm out of my element. I'm out of my country. But I always think back to this song. And as I walk through the streets, this song is just playing constantly in my mind. Is that hope would be the anthem of my soul. And the verses that he has in this, he says, sometimes what you need is what you fight. We just talked about that. Like a wounded man out on the run, like shadows hiding from the light but your love is what I was running from. Friends, that's our world. They're running from what they need. And God's called us to be the ones to carry that hope. And that's what he says in the next part. It's a reminder for us that hope is a seed you have to sow. And when you let it go, it comes to life. So stretch your arrows on the bow, pull them back, and watch them fly. Kind of like the parable of the sower. God's called us to go and allow Christ to richly dwell within us and around us as we go out into the world around us. And this is the part that I would sing as I walk those streets in different countries, that my heartbeat, my oxygen, my banner, my home, my future, my song, your hope is the anthem of my soul. And I remember just walking those streets and I would sing that. Your hope is the anthem of my soul. Your hope is the anthem of my soul. Jesus, help me to bring your hope and your life to these places that those people too one day might sing, Jesus, you are the anthem of my soul. And that's who I am. That's what I want to be about. I'm not perfect. I don't stand before you today saying I've got it all together. I've got much to learn. But thank you for praying for me, surrounding us. And my prayer and my hope is that as a church body, that can be our anthem, that Jesus has come. Jesus saves would you follow after him?